Welcome to Taylor. <laughs> Two rivals. A fantasy football podcast put on by your three peak, go with your gut champion, and a number loving spreadsheet obsessed nerd to find some sort of consensus to share with you, our listener. Who am I joined by? They're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, we're back, baby. I'm excited. I think we're going to have back-to-back episodes drop on back-to-back days. I'm excited, my friend. Taylor Two Rivals, we're in summer vacation mode, Todd. That means more dynasty football, baby. Yeah, baby. Summer vacay. Uh, it was my first official day from the school year that was never ending. I am extremely excited. And Dave, I'm heading up to uh, a place where the way life should be on Monday. Do you I'm know jealous. where that is? I'm jealous. Once under the ownership of Massachusetts, Maine. All right. So, uh, yeah, under some kind of imperial puritanical BS, thankfully, Maine's no longer under the oppression of Massachusetts. Yes. Yes. Massachusetts was an empire, and we were kind enough to give you your independence as a state. Yes. Yes, yes, it's cool. But yes, so anyway, so I'm going on four days, three nights, sick summer rental from a guy that I uh, knew from high school. Pretty excited about it. Joanne's family's going to make it up there too, so it's going to be good, man. It's going to be good. Uh, what have you been doing, my friend? Man, it's been kind of a whirlwind end of the school year. Literally just thinking about fantasy football, but having no time to do it kind of thing. Uh, dealing with some family stuff and then getting baby stuff together. And one of those baby stuff, my friend, I have to actually get a little off my chest here. I'm not sure if IKEA is a national brand or if it's only a regional thing. I have no idea because I've actually never purchased something from IKEA until recently. My wife went, I was dragging my feet on buying us a new dresser. So my wife went on IKEA, got it for us, and I told her I put it together. I have always avoided IKEA because knowing how long it takes to put together, I am now probably at least 10 hours into building this freaking dresser. It is turned into this monster project. I've messed up once and spent an entire evening fixing my mistake, swearing constantly at myself for being an idiot and at the directions. And usually I'm not bad at these directions, Todd, but I'm just, I'm telling you, man, there's a, I know now why I was avoiding Ikea and never again, my friend, never again. I, I've never gone down the, the the Ikea path because of how I've never heard a good tale of dealing with it. I'm just going to stay clear of it for the rest of my life. Thank you for making me feel better about that decision. We have a, a, a listener, Todd, that him and his wife recommend, recommended it to my Oh, it's a great dresser. Yeah, you do this one from Ikea. And I was like, okay, all right. Let's just say they're now on thin ice as far as me listening to their advice in the future. And they know who they are. They know who they're listening. They're, they're very loyal listeners. So I'm, all I'm going to say is I'm, I got my eyes on you and your advice, people. O'Loughlin's, I'm coming for you. Uh, just saying, like, you know, they're just giving you kind advice, and now you're threatening them? I mean, they didn't know that you weren't, like, a skilled laborer, like, an unskilled laborer, excuse me, you know, man, it's not their fault. I have, they- I am, I've actually been a flawless, I've been able, always able to follow directions, I can build a, a thing or two here, so yeah, that's how, I, I know my stuff here, I know my stuff, but these directions, you gotta look for, like, a dot of ink on the paper to tell you the difference between one and the other. You veer off your process all the time in fantasy because you overthink it. I can imagine it's the same with assembling a dresser. 
uh, true story because when they're <laughs> you do tend to overthink these directions. Yeah, you do. You do. But um Godspeed, buddy. Godspeed. Uh, uh. You ready for the question today? Yes, sir. I, I mean I, I'll just say this, Todd. I'm I am jealous of you heading to Maine and I'm excited for you to enjoy the uh the way life should be next week next week. Thank you, sir. So with summer upon us, Dave, are you an ocean, lake, or pool guy? Todd, this is actually another reason why Maine is the greatest state in the union, because it has all of these things. It's uh, got a ton of lakes. It's got one of the longest coastlines in the United States. And it's just, a, you know, and it's, it's a great environment for pools as well. So, but however, Todd, I am, I have thought long and hard about this and I've, and I've spent way too much time debating with friends about this, but I am firmly, firmly a lake person. I grew up with a camp, not like this like fancy lake house that some people have where it's got electricity and or indoor plumbing and nice silverware and stuff like that. No, I, I mean, yes, we had lights. I'll say this. We have lights, but we don't have air conditioning. There's none of that freaking stuff. There's no heat. It's got an, uh, a, an, uh, like a wood stove in there for heat during the wintertime right on the lake. And the reason why I freaking love lakes is because, one... There's not a lot, you don't have, when you go to the beach, Todd, you have to freaking, you're there with tons of other humans and that's a miserable experience to be all these people not following proper etiquette on the beach. They're, I, I, you got freaking seagulls attacking you. No, thank you. I like to be with friends and family and nobody else as I'm sitting on la- um, a lakeside, playing some horseshoes, all kinds of different yards games. And then I can take the boat or the canoe out onto the lake go tubing, water skiing, all that stuff. I don't have to deal with these choppy seas that are in the ocean. A great environment for tubing, water skiing. And that's why I just love the lake, my friend. Now, I do like the ocean, but it's not as... And also, final, final reason why I love the lake, there are no freaking sharks in the lake. So that's my final nail in the coffin of the lake argument, my friend. No sharks on the lake. Uh, So I can't argue the crowd, sharks, or seagulls. Not at all. I own a pool. It's amazing to have. Joe's family has uh, a lot of property on this lake in New Hampshire, Great East Lake, and it's it's lovely. It's a great time. But I've always loved the ocean. Waves, the sand, the seawater, the environments at a lot of places by the beach. It can't be beat, dude. You know, but I'm terrified of sharks. So I don't go deep, bro. <laughs> I do not go deep in the ocean. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, there's nothing to be beat. And there's one thing about the ocean that I kind of love and I kind of hate now. And it's how much Jackson loves the ocean because it's so fun to watch him. So my son, if like if anyone can remember, he's only two and a half. But he's, he's man, his motor skills are insane. So... <laughs> Uh, he loves the water, but he's fearless about the ocean waves, dude. I'm literally standing in front of him, just picking him up and throwing him in the air like like a game for 45 minutes because otherwise the dude will just keep going. And he does the same thing in lakes. So homeboy's learning boundaries. So it's a little exhausting, but it's also a lot of fun, too. That's exciting. Yeah, it's cool, dude. But, um. There's just something about like seawater. I mean, like ocean water, dude. It's just, it's like, it's just bliss. <laughs> you know, like I, I just can't get enough of that. And like when you get the wind from the ocean air. So yeah, this place that I have is on the ocean. So I'm pretty excited about that too. I've never like rented a place on the ocean. So I'm pretty excited. Oh, it's very cool. Very cool to be on the ocean. 
I will say what I do love about lakes as well. I love hearing loons at like the loon calls at night on the lake. I love that. Very good call. Brings me back. Um, Now, Todd, a couple of things about what you said. I expect after this summer of, uh, you know, summer of fun with Jackson Joe, I expect you to come, come back ripped next time I see you because you're doing this Friday gymnastics thing. You're throwing Jacks up in the air for 45 minutes straight and you love the, I'm expecting you to come back ripped next time I see you, man. I still eat like crap. Uh, so, yeah. like, if I died, I'd be, I'd be very toned. I'm probably not. <laughs> and then second thing, Todd, is I'm not sure about you. And I think we've talked about this on – I've talked about my fear of sharks before. But when I'm in the ocean, I'm not sure if I can go two minutes without thinking about a shark. And I'll stay in there, but in my head, I, I – I don't think I can go two minutes without thinking about sharks when I'm in the ocean. See, I always look for the children that are going deeper than me, and then I feel better about it. You know what I, I mean? I don't think that that doesn't protect. I've 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 seen Jaws, Todd, which is a scientific. That is a basically a documentary. <laughs> <That's> Jaws, <scientific. laughs> and they what? don't necessarily go for the person who's furthest out. I'm just saying, man. That just makes me feel better. That's all I'm looking for. Being like, like, yeah, I could have swim that kid, and they're deeper. So and legit, <laughs> legit in my head, Todd. I know we got to move on here, but legit thought in my head is I. I think they can smell my fear. I. I literally think that. I think I guess they can smell my fear. As as somebody who regularly kicks your ass in fantasy football, it has it has quite a pungent smell. Um, oh gosh! Oh god! You want that a great that transition to RB tears part two? <laughs> right. So. Uh, before we go in a little topic clarification, uh, if you haven't listened to our last episode, I'd recommend going to listen to that because that's where we broke down our first three tiers. So just real quick, I'm going to run through our first three RB tiers. So my tier one RBs was at number one overall, CMC. That's the end of my tier. Dave's tier one at number one was also CMC, followed by number two, Saquon Barkley, and number three, Jonathan Taylor. So my tier two, second player, second running back overall, Jonathan Taylor, number three, Delvin Cook, number four, Saquon Barkley, number five, Alvin Kamara. Dave's tier two, fourth player overall, Cam Akers, fifth player, DeAndre Swift, sixth player, Delvin Cook, seventh player, DK Dobbins. So at tier three for me, DK my, Dobbins. Oh, yeah, my bae. Uh, D- DK Metcalf is all in my mind. J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> all right. I'd rather have DK. Uh, so, uh, Todd's tier three. DeAndre Swift is my sixth player overall. Seventh, Nick Chubb. Eighth, Derrick Henry. Ninth, Cam Akers. Tenth, Najee Harris. Eleventh, J.K. Dobbins. All right. Dave's tier three. Eighth player overall, Alvin Kamara, who should not be in the third tier. <laughs> Fifth player overall. I mean, ninth player overall. Nick Chubb, 10th player overall, Travis Etienne, 11th player overall, CEH, 12th player overall, Najee Harris, 13th player overall, uh, Antonio Gibson, 14th, Miles Sanders, and 15th, Joe Mixon. We should probably post these. <laughs> so, yeah, why don't we post these? I don't know why we don't. I'll get on that. So, but yeah, so anyways, that was our first three tiers. So like I said, our last episode, like we went through the first three tiers. So we essentially really highlighted the studs, quote unquote. So Dave had 15 players. I had 11. So for the most part, those are our favorites in the RB1 hunt. So we're really somewhat in that RB2 hunt for this episode and how we navigate this. Little, this it's a pretty messy scene, to say the least. So Dave, 
Here's my question to you. Is there something in particular that you're looking for in a player within this RB2 territory? Upside, stability, receiving, what is it? You know what's kind of crazy, Todd, is that I actually don't really want RB2s on my teams. I don't value them very much. I And that's why I have such a deep tier three at, at, of going all the way down to Joe Mixon, because I think those players can all finish in the top 12. And it, and now, or at least finish top 12 in value for next year, at least. Whereas there are people in my tier four where I do actually, I think they're great players and they, they can finish as, as tier one or as top 12 RBs as well. But I don't see their, their values as increasing or I have a little bit more doubts. But just overall, Todd, after my tier four, really, I don't really care about running backs. So there, I have one more tier we're going to freaking talk about. And, and then it's like, I don't really want these players on my roster. That's kind of how I really approach running backs because I, I love these top elite running backs we've talked about in episode one and then some in this episode. But after that, I probably won't target any of these running backs until they're, we're getting to handcuff territory. That's just how drastic I am and the cutoff, I appro- how I approach the running back position. So it's interesting the way that you do your tier. So I think this is where the one of the big breaks is. In your tier three, you had anybody who you think is going to be in that in that top twelve conversation. My next tier, year, like almost like next, next year, year kind of. Yeah. Sure. So same for me. You know what I mean? Except there's also and for the dynasty aspect, like like I don't think Travis Etienne's gonna be a top twelve back next year. But I think that he belongs to be in there as what he could what that talent could mean for him being in that territory for multiple years. But that's what my tier four is. These are guys that I'm confident that they could be a top 12 RB, but they might not sustain that production, or they're guys with the kind of ceiling that that's where they're heading. Those first 11 guys, I'm pretty confident those 11 guys are going to be RB1s, or they're at, the, at their floor is like a high RB2. So that's what I think our big difference is in that, in the, in that tier break. So for me in RB2, it's all about value. So this is this is the tiers that I really look at. So this is when I'm really looking at wide receivers. I like to build through wides because they're more predictable, they're more sustainable, and they're more reliable. So this is where I'm looking at these tiers and saying to myself, who do I like as wide receivers that I want on my team beyond three years? And then these are the backs I'm filling in and being thrilled about who's following to me within these tiers. So for me, for RBs, it it's really also depends on I try to do balance out guys that I know are going to be good for a short term, then guys I can invest in a little cheaper that could be able to be replacing that guy in a, in a year or two. And that makes sense, Dave. I felt like I was a little over the place, but I felt like I was trying to... It's a very fluid situation with me. Like I really do follow the trend of the draft. This is to me where I go in my plan, I need to see how the rest of my league is approaching this, and I'm mopping up value. Yeah, 100% thought it makes sense because, like you said, you build to the wide receiver, so you're nailing those QBs and wide receivers early, and then this is where you pick up and possibly an Aaron Jones or something like that where you can, that where he will, act, like, I talk about all this upside all the time, oh, this upside and youth and that all that value that that incorporates, and I'm just hoping for essentially what Aaron Jones did last year kind of thing. There, That is a good strategy. now in theory, but sometimes what we we find is that these running backs in, in this tier, they tend to trail off and they're ups or, and they, they do return RB2 value, but they that upside doesn't quite 
land us to where it like a real difference maker. So we got to, so that's kind of how I kind of view this, this area, but I like what you're, I, I understand what you're saying. So that's my point is that that's why my, my tier stopped at 11. Yeah. Like, like to me, it's just like, I have a certain level where like, I'm more confident those guys aren't those like consistent RB2 guys. So I feel 100%. like that was that was a big difference with us. But obviously, I also I honestly think you're more of an RB uh, optimist than I am too. Which yeah, yep. I, I honestly don't think you can get more pessimistic about RB production than me though too. So it's kind of a low bar. So anyway, I actually feel like RBs are my strength in dynasty or mm-hmm. in fantasy football overall. I, I feel like I usually have pretty decent luck with RBs. I'm really good at trading for them later. <laughs> so. Uh, you know what, Dave? Let's kick off with the, uh, your uh, your tier four, which uh, you had. Your, this is your sixteenth running back overall. So why don't you take us through your your fourth tier of running backs? So for some people who are listening, they might be wondering where the heck some of these players are in my tiers. They're listening for there's several people who have as top you know top eight dynasty RBs, and I'm starting at sixteen right here. So this is where the, the fall ends and where I just drastically v- value things different than some other people. So here we go at 16. We've got Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones at 17, Derek Henry at 18, Javante Williams at 19, Austin Eckler at 20, and Miles Gaskin slipping in at 21. And just kind of rounding out what I think about these players, Todd, is that this is Everyone except Javante Williams is someone that I, I really couldn't get in rookie drafts, but is someone if I could have, I would have valued him here because I have some questions, but I like his age, his youth, and he has a kind of a decent, you know, relatively well-rounded skill set to a certain extent. And then Miles Gaskin is a player who I was, I was, you and I both were very high on consensus that whereas this is about I bring him all the way up here now. I don't want to acquire him for this these type of prices now, but in dynasty anyway, but. This is where I value him, but the time to get him, like we've talked about numerous times, was last off or earlier, way earlier in the offseason. And so the kind of way I think about it is everyone besides essentially Javante Williams in this tier for me are players that if my team is competing, Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, and Miles Gaskin, and I need that one more piece, I am willing to pay pretty, pretty premium prices in season to put me over the top of these players. Even though I don't think that they're going to have a higher dynasty value next season, I am willing. I want to see them perform because I do have questions about their age. You know, I love Austin Eckler, Todd. I think he's got a great skill set, but is he is he going to have his best season at this start at this point in his career? I have questions about that. And he's going to be able, all of a sudden be able to handle this massive workload at this point in his career. I have questions, and I, I know I love Derrick Henry, but he's got that two dimensional ups. Or he's kind of two dimensional. You, you do not love Derrick Henry. First of all, you didn't even spell his <laughs> name right on the sheet. All right, that's right. All right. All right. A couple of things. A couple of things about Derrick Henry. A couple of Henry. A couple of things. I love watching Derrick Henry uh, play I, football. I, how is a guy who has averaged over seventeen hundred yards and sixteen touchdowns over the last two years in the same tier as Miles Gaskin? Because he's capped. He's capped. He he's capped, Todd. In you'll, his you'll trade, season, so in you'll a, trade down from Derrick Henry to Miles Gaskin. No. So I explained that th- I'm approaching this tier a little bit differently. In that, that's fair. That's fair. Sorry, that I'm triggered. This is I'm triggered. the yeah. No, so <laughs> it, it, no, so I, I value them the same because I do love that dual threat ability of Miles Gaskin, and especially in that developing Miami offense. And I, I mean, I love Aaron Jones. I, I really do. Ezekiel Elliott. I think I'm undervaluing Ezekiel Elliott. He could have a monster season with Dak back, but I just 
question marks in the way that I approach and historically how running backs have scored, I have question marks. So I want to be 100% sure that they're performing in season and that my team is good enough to reap the benefits of these running backs. I I just got to say, man, like this is such a weird tier for me. I get it with with Zeke, obviously, like I'm kind of in the same boat. Aaron Jones, I'll get into that. But Derrick Henry, man. The guy just ran for 2,000 freaking yards, man. Like, and the best season, Todd, that he's probably ever going to have was last season. And doesn't he still matter. Fi- it doesn't matter. He still finished as the he, RB4. He, he doesn't. His he upside is He capped. still finished the RB4, and you have him 18th. But yeah, my point is— I don't is, think— okay. Oh, come on, man. I mean, if you actually—like, if you're not trying to target him before as your 18th back, you're not trying to win. That's it. That's what it is. You're not trying to win— I mean, it's a little bit too much down the road. And down the road with running backs is such a messy freaking thing anyways. Take the one or two years of elite production and run with it. He's got to be a top 10 back in every ranking. This is preposterous. And the reason, and I actually want to dive even deeper into Derrick Henry. So the reason why my counter for you is Tennessee, the last two seasons have been operating at historic efficiency levels in the red zone and all over the field. With Ryan Tannehill's having his best, some of his best seasons, they're losing Arthur Blank. The now quarter, the now coordinator flopped. I forget where the heck he was before him, but he was. It was a poor showing in his last uh, stop. Arthur Blank's uh, the owner of the Falcons. Arthur Blank. Arthur, whatever the freaking <laughs> what, what's. I just confused. I just combined Arthur Blank and they're losing and, an owner from the Falcons. Oh and, man! But he they're went to the Home Depot shares. Yeah. Whoever, I think, it was it Arthur Jones or something? What's his name, the coach? Who's Tennessee's offensive coordinator, now the coach for the Arizona, or for the... Is, for is it an Arthur Smith? Ar- sure, whatever. Whatever his name is. That's why I got Arthur yeah, Blank it's Ar- and it's him Ar- mixed up. It's Arthur Smith. So, uh, it, you know, obvious mistake, you know. I don't have any of these owners and coaches <laughs> in my databases, so that's why it happens. So I'm, I'm already off the rails here with my Derrick Henry just, you know, slander at this point. But like I said, the efficiency is just... It's, I think it's kind of bad process to just automatically assume that Tennessee, who has the crappiest defense out there, like a bottom seven defense, is just going to automatically keep operating at this efficiency. Now, they do add Julio, which really kind of hurts my argument a little bit, but I just think... It it's hurts actually, your argument a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. But, and they just drafted a third wide receiver in Des, and Des Fitzpatrick, so they... they yeah, have, and that doesn't really uh, do anything for me. But, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, man. We'll see. They put but, capital into it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So a lot of uh, capital Henry rugs too. But uh, I, I just, just, I just, I really want, and I'm being contrarian here. And there, you're right. Todd, a lot of your points make 100% sense. This is just one of those things where I am totally fine with being contrarian and just going against the, gr- the grain on Derrick Henry. Oh, it's terrible. But whatever. All right. Moving on. So, all right. My fourth tier. So this is where, like, if I'm in an RB punt, this is where I'm looking for, like, late RB1 options, elite RB2s uh, with best, like, RB1 upside. Uh, I don't necessarily see top five potential out of this group, except for one guy, all right? And my 12th running back, who probably should have been the bottom of my tier three, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, was Aaron Jones. Uh, 13th, I had Ezekiel Elliott. 14th, I had Austin Eckler. 15th, I had Travis Etienne. 16th, I had Josh Jacobs. And 17th, I had Antonio Gibson. 
So, Dave, before I start going off about anything, do you want to ask me any questions? Yeah, I just think it's kind of interesting with especially how value, like we just got done talking about Derrick Henry, how much you value Derrick Henry. What separates Ezekiel Elliott from Derrick Henry to you? Like, I'm kind of confused why you have about a thousand rushing yards when Henry only played about one, played one more game. He averaged double the amount of rushing yards per game than Zeke did last year. Zeke's breaking down. Henry's not. Henry, like, when you're telling me that Henry might not outproduce his best, he's improved three years in a row. Zeke has, has not, has gotten worse three years in a row. All right? So when one guy is ascending, the other guy is descending. It's not even remotely close. The other thing about Zeke with his, with his um, upside is he's a great receiving back. They're freaking loaded in the wide receiver now. They're, I just don't see the same amount of targets coming to him with all those mouths to feed with the wide receivers they have now. And they're just better options in the receiving game. So, yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry is the focal point, and he's been extremely more productive over the last three years than Ezekiel Elliott. It's not even remotely close. Does Tony Pollard come into the equation at all for you with Zeke? No, no. He, I, he I know he's a popular name in some circles right now. No. So I just, that was a question. I like Tony Pollard. I was a big Tony Pollard fan. I think, yes, I don't know were. if you remember. Yeah. Yes, and I, and I, I, yeah. And I, and I still like Tony Pollard. I think Tony Pollard could be a starting running back in the NFL, but I still think Ezekiel, yet there's a reason he's still 13th on my list. So like if I was fading him that hard, he wouldn't have been close to my top 12. No, I, I think the Tony Pollard stuff's getting a little carried away. Anybody saying Tony Pollard's a better running back, Ezekiel Elliott, does not watch enough football. Moving on. Uh, so when we get back to, so like, obviously hit Zeke. So at 12, I had Aaron Jones. What is this man going to have to do to get some respect? He literally finishes as a top running back option two years in a row, gets that money. So now he's going to stay in Green Bay. I guess the existence of A.J. Dillon's a little weird, maybe. But, like, he catches the ball, he gets touchdowns, he's a dynamic player. He's just phenomenal, dude. It's just that it's just, Green Bay's weird. I feel like that team and, like, its direction is so messy that for a running back, and also the age piece kind of fills in that one for me a little bit. So, and he got paid. Like, he's not playing for the money now. So, that I think that's my knocks on him. But the production is there, so he's got to be my 12. Austin Eckler. Phenomenal receiving option. My 14th overall. If I'm punting running back and I'm getting him as my top running back, I'm stacked in other places and I'm happy about it. Todd, can we go deeper in Austin Eckler a little bit? I think that's sure. kind of someone I think I just find Austin Eckler really intriguing this year as someone I've we really you know, I loved Austin Eckler coming out. I, I was all over him coming out, you know, before he even showed like as an UDFA, I was all over him. Love me some Austin Eckler. I got out too soon across all my leagues, so I have a little FOMO now. But you know, you have him at fourteen here. He, yeah, high in RB two. Do you think he's a? Do you has? Does he have top five potential for you and for fantasy? No. Last year, he remember last year. I think he you you were. I can't believe you were really high on him last year. Now it's a little unfair because of injuries. But I was curious if you have that same feel with Justin Herbert there and everything. Well, you said top five. I think top yeah. fives. I think that's. I think too many people throw that around too easily. I would say Jones has a better chance of top five because he's already done it, right? Then you have like, you know, let's think about the top five. You have CEH, I mean CEH, wow. CMC, Barkley, Taylor, Col Cook, and Kamara right there. That almost like should seal that. But then when you got the other contenders, you got Akers, Swift, even Dobbins, Chubb, Henry. All those guys are there. It's, it's, it's crowded to get into that category. 
So I don't think Eckler's the type of runner to be able to get himself in that top five. What gets him in that low RB1 conversation is he's probably the best receiving back in the league. Like, end of story. Like, it's not a contest. And his receiving upside, along with the fact that he can run the ball, you know, like, it's that's not why you get Eckler. Eckler has nine rushing touchdowns in his career. <laughs> you know, he has 16 receiving touchdowns. It's clear what, like, what he does more. His receiving upside is the reason that you look at him. And I, I don't understand how they don't utilize that more. And also, like, they don't try to make him into that grinder. And they keep, the Chargers are really good at using late picks on grinders and finding those guys to compliment Eckler, to be like that first down back almost, and then bring Eckler back in. I think the style of player Eckler is does not get him in that top five. So new regime too in San, in LA this year. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they have like the Saint the guy coming over from the Saints is OC who really targeted yep. the you know Kamara. Like, I think what eighty one straight yep. reception. You know kind of that I heard that said on a podcast today. What I think about Eckler is Todd is that I mean I already addressed Eckler. I just think that he is the biggest guy for me. And my look at I'm at RB twenty, and I really wish I could have him higher. Like I probably could move him above. Javante Williams, eh, you know, Derrick Henry sucks. You should. I move him above Derrick Henry. Oh, my God. You can't even spell his <laughs> name right. <laughs> you can't even spell his name right. Let alone, uh, I like him. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, 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 as an NFL fan, I really do enjoy watching Derrick Henry play. I will say that. But, yeah. So, that, I, interesting, Todd. Bull. Bull. I, I do. I do. I, I dude, I, I was high on Derrick Henry when he came out. So, <laughs> I right. was. He was my RB1 in that class. Uh, all right, so my 15th was uh, Travis Etienne. Zeke was there, but yeah. <laughs> Taking us back, way back. Yeah, back in the yeah I know. I, say, I did say Dallas should have drafted, drafted someone else instead of Zeke and gone Derrick Henry round two, but that's that seems like a lifetime yeah, ago. All right. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right, so my 15th player overall was Travis Etienne. Dave uh, in the last cast was like, I thought you like Etienne more than Najee Harris, and I'm like, I do. I don't hate Etienne's landing spot, but I don't love it either. I really need to see how things shake out with uh, him and J-Rob there. I love Etienne, man. I-, I believe in the talent. I don't know how I feel about Urban Meyer yet either. That's the other thing, too. So I got to see some stuff out of Etienne before I could possibly move him up any higher. And I think 15 is pretty high. I feel like you and me are huge Josh Jacob haters. I had him at 16, so I felt like I needed to because, I mean, he's put up the numbers to be not much lower than that. And I feel like that's a really good value for him there. And Antonio Gibson, like, I get it. I get it. I understand the potential there. I just, I can't rely on a guy that was so, like, so much of his production was based on touchdowns, dude. And I just see that team just, like, growing and throwing more. And, like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just see regression in that touchdown number. And I, I, I think he's a phenomenally talented player. I just think that people are a little bit too doing a little too much clear on him being like a top 12 back like this year. I just don't see it. Question, Todd, Antonio Gibson. Wouldn't we say that we actually, I mean, he was basically a wide receiver, you know, coming out, it felt like. Uh, yes. Yes. And the biggest question heading into last season was, can he handle a workload or present that kind of style? And he essentially was a, a one and two down grinder last year. Right. So don't you think that he kind of answered the questions we had coming in? So there is some baked in upside heading into year two? No, absolutely. I think what I'm saying is, is that 
I think it's just so crowded at the top. You know what I mean? That him breaking in, it, yeah, he could handle the load. But how much of the load is he going to be given? And on top of that, is he really going to be like keeping that touchdown rate that got him, that got us all so high? I agree on the touchdown rate. And that's good. He did it during a very easy place in the schedule, too. Cupcake, dude. Cupcake. I hate on David Montgomery for it. So I, I need to be, I need to be yes. fair, too. Yes. So it's cupcake. So to me, it's kind of like, I feel like people are getting a little ahead of themselves. Yes. I, I see the potential of him being an RB1 at some point. I don't see it necessarily being this, yes, he's going to be a top five. I've seen people say he's going to be top five this year. Stop saying everybody's going to be top five. It's just so freaking hot takey. So, no, I, I just don't see it this year, but I definitely could see him be, he's a great dynasty investment. There's just 16 guys I'd rather have over him right now. And I would say that I'd rather have him in dynasty probably than Josh Jacobs, but I think I like Josh Jacobs this year. Really heavily waiting that year one. Uh, Todd, I I actually just sent you a text a, as we finished. I freaking loved that tier four discussion, man. That I That's one of the best. I really enjoyed our tier four discussion here. So I'm ready to move on to tier five if you are, my friend. Let's go, dude. You want to break down tier five for us, buddy? Yeah. So Todd's tier five leads off with Joe Mixon at 18. At 19, he has Clyde Edwards Elaire. At 20, Miles Sanders. And at 21, Javonta Williams. And then for my tier five, I have David Montgomery at 22. 23, I have Josh Jacobs. 24, I have Chris Carson. And at 25, I have Kareem Hunt. And at 26, just slipping in, Todd, our guy, say it ain't so, Chase Edmonds. Dude, I I, I, I freaking love Chase this year. Like, He's finally getting the opportunity, and he's not getting a huge ADP spike. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> easy like, to trade so, for as well. So easy to trade for. Because there's a lot of doubt because he didn't get a lot of high-value touches last year in the red zone. Uh, I think he yeah, he only had like 4% of the opportunities in the red zone last year or something like that. But the crazy thing is, Todd, is honestly, I don't have a problem with attacking anyone in that Cardinals backfield because they're both uber, uber cheap. Chase Edmonds and James Conner are very easy to acquire right now, and I'm totally fine with acquiring both at cost. It's it's really affordable to get a piece of one of the top offenses of the NFL. 100% agree. 100% agree. A little and, off topic there, Todd, but yeah, can we can you come down and break through your tier five a little more for us? All right, so Joe Mixon for me at 18. I think my thing about Joe Mixon is, is that like Joe Mixon either needs to happen this year or it's time for us to stop talking about him. Joe Mixon just keeps breaking our hearts over and over and over again. It's time for him to actually produce. All right. It's time for, I know like I had a lot of Joe Mixon last year and I am freaking jaded. So my point is, is like Joe Mixon is either going to be the talented player that he's capable of being, or he's not. I'm not looking to invest in him beyond any of those other guys ahead of me and out of, out of him in that range. That's it. End of story. Uh, CEH. You know, I feel like people got a little too low on him right away. Clearly, like, I don't have him super high either, but he's still attached to that that Chiefs offense. That's something to at least be a, to be a positive in him. And he really didn't have a terrible first year. He just didn't have a great first year. Miles Sanders, injury concerns really got to me. They brought in a receiving back, so he's probably not getting that work now. And also... The Eagles are a mess. 
<laughs> like they're a mess. Uh, and Javante Williams, phenomenal value as a rookie, ends up in a really good situation in Denver. So um, I actually think Javante Williams could be an outstanding value in Dynasty. A little interesting, Todd. I have a couple of follow-ups here for Mixon, especially. What's interesting to me is that I think you and I are both high, really high on Jamar Chase. We, you loved. Uh, you, I mean, I should say. Uh, T. Higgins is your guy, was one of your guys last year, and, I, and I'm actually gaga for him this season. And then we throw in Tyler Boyd, who's criminally usually undervalued, Todd. With Joe Burrow coming back, there's a lot of offensive firepower there. If Mixon can wipe up some TDs and uh, take advantage of that offense, RB18 and RB15 for me, I believe, there's some real, there's a lot of meat on that bone if he hits. So this is where I'm not uh, an injury optimist with him. His durability gets to me a little bit. Granted, like, you know, like he played like 16 games uh, two years ago, but he's always had a history about being banged up and missing time. And the year before he got hurt, he's really only had one really good year, like one really efficient year. One out of four years. Otherwise, it's like, this is Joe Mixon's year. So yes, everything's in line for Joe Mixon. And I think that he has good value. But this is around the time where I think he's the. This is the good time to be valuing him around that 18th guy off the board when you're not reaching for him at that point. Yeah, he should eat in that, but also he should have done a lot more at this point. And we all just keep saying now is the time for Joe Mixon. Enough's enough. It's either this year or I'm out. I hear you, man. I hear you 100. percent And then to my last follow up for you is Ceh. He's going at DLF Superflex ADP or running back ranking at RB14 at 19 for you, that basically prices you out at CEH. When you say, so you're not going to get a lot of CEH at that kind of value? No. I also think that that's an offense that's not going to try to rely too heavily on one running back. Uh, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a offense that really heavily features the running back. Yeah. No, I not really going to be too high on CEH. I think that his age and being part of a good offense is really the main parts of why he's even in my top 20 honestly yeah all right that's fair cool any questions for my my tier five todd yeah why are you so high on david montgomery (laughs) and my rb22 yeah honestly todd i think it's because that there's some really uh nick whalen had has had a pretty good thread on david montgomery on twitter just talking about the splits between their offensive coordinator i forget his name was calling the plays, and when Adam—I want to say Adam Gase—Matt um, Nagy's calling the plays, and, and Matt sucky, Nagy's playing, calling the plays again. It's not—it does not look good. However, we saw the theoretical upside with David Montgomery, and it is a RB one, except it came during that soft schedule. He does have some receiving upside. However, I think when Tariq Cohen, Tariq Cohen comes back. You, that really limits his receiving upside. And I, that offensive line is like a bottom five offensive line in the NFL. And it's always tough to project offensive line, but it does not look good. So David Montgomery, we remember the really good stuff, but you know, and it, not all, not every season do you can just get a cupcake schedule that you can just ride through to the fantasy playoffs that gave him that value. I just do not see, I just don't, I, there's not a David Montgomery fan. And then kind of actually one other player that I really want to talk about. You mentioned how we're both along Josh Jacobs. I was not a big, I had Josh Jacobs in my RB1 in that class, but it was a very disgruntled to having an RB1. I think it was purely based on draft capital. I did not like his profile. 
It was that whole Alabama, oh, there's so many good running backs in this backfield argument. He's such a great pass catcher. Well, he was promised he was going to be targeted so much last year, and it really fell through. And now Kenyon Drake's there. And honestly, I, I, I said this recently on another pod, I think it was the Dynasty Hot Sauce pod, that the DUI crash really, really makes me question his you know, off the field judgment and his, some of his tirades, he goes on, not tirades, but his outbursts on social media is just a player that I don't really like to root for. And when I had those, those combined with those questions as a profile and they're not using what he was supposedly good at, and he's just a first and second down grinder with more competition coming in on an offense that has a worse offensive line than they had last year, which really helped him. Uh, I I'm totally fine because I, with just being off of Josh Jacobs and and I and I'm not there. I was there this offseason. I Todd, early in January, I was on the record saying I would not give a 2021 first round pick for Josh Jacobs, which was very contrarian at the time before Kenyon Drake arrived. So yeah. um, I I remember that. I actually think I agreed with you. Then just kind of wrapping up. I love Chase. You know, we talked about Chase, but the, the argument for Chase Edmonds is is that he's got such great receiving upside, and if he can just get a little bit more workload on the ground. And maybe they can use it more creatively in the red zone in that high part offense. That's exciting. But one of my favorite players in this tier is Chris Carson, just because of that receiving upside that he flashed last year. And that, you know, that Seattle, they want to run the ball. And if they're going to keep targeting Chris Carson for as long as he's healthy at this kind of price range that he goes at, I really like him as an RB2 on a roster that went wide receiver heavy. Chris Carson's the perfect RB2 in a contender. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. If I got Chris Carson as my RB2, I'm like sitting there ready to be like taking Chase Edmonds, and I'm just looking to run with that, dude. It's just going to be disgusting, you know? Yes, sir. So, tier six. So, for my tier six, we have James Robinson as my 23rd running back overall. 24 was Miles Gaskin. 25 was Chris Carson. 26 was David Montgomery. 27 was Chase Edmonds, and 28 was Kareem Hunt. And then Dave's tier seven, tier six. Oh, this is, this is, this is, no, no. It was 27, James Robinson, and 28 was Trey Sermon that Dave just deleted live before I read it. Dave, you had a two down rookie back that high. You flip flopping mofo. Why'd you delete him? Todd, to be honest, I'm not a fan of Trey Sermon. And it just came down. It was like, I was just looking at the names and I was like, of like consensus. And I was like, all right, I'll throw him on there. Um, but I moved around the tiers a little bit. I moved some players up into my tier five. And I just don't care about the players in tier six besides James Robinson. And the reason why we care about James Robinson is that he was, when given the opportunity last season, he was a dominant player in fantasy. He can do it all. His upside is a low-end RB2, I think. And, and then if ETN disappoints majorly or is injured, he's a he's right back where he was last season. So... James Robinson is just a player, one of the unique players in this, like this range for me that I really care about. Todd, this is, is James Robinson or bust for me after these running backs we've talked about? Dude, James Robinson's my 23, and I hate doing that because I want to put him higher. Uh, I loved watching Robinson. He, he's a starting running back in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Uh, definitely the, the level of usage. He pretty much owned the entire RB opportunity in Jacksonville last year. Clearly, at the end coming in, it's just a huge question mark. He's a talented player, and he was productive as a rookie. I'm still not going to completely just be like out on him. So I think at 23, he's great value. And at that point, too, if I miss on what he, what I saw out of him last year, 
totally think the the risk is totally worth it at that spot. Love Miles Gaskins. I know a 24 doesn't sound like I don't love him, but I love me some Miles Gaskin, and I'm looking to trade for him everywhere. I had two startup drafts uh, before the NFL draft. Uh, one was, they're both co-managed week. One was with Dave, and the other one was with uh, Kevin Coleman, Du Bois 22, and I got Gaskins in both. I was pretty stoked about that. Pretty stoked. But um, yeah, man, that, that Gaskins move makes us look like geniuses now. It does, Todd. He really rounds out our roster. Um, are you concerned about Dokes at all? No. Whatever his name is. No, I like Dokes as like a pretty much like a priority, like free agent pickup or like if you really like don't have any RB depth, like a late fourth. Is there a possibility that he comes out of nowhere and produces and passes everybody? Sure. I'm like, it's happened before. It's unlikely. So like, no, I'm not concerned. But if you want to go ahead and like, he, he's the perfect taxi squad guy. Great taxi squad uh, stash. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm not that worried about Dokes. Chris Carson, we already talked about him. Love him. Dave Montgomery sucks. He had a cupcake schedule. Uh, the only reason I even have him as 26 is the fact that he is their first first down, second down back all day. And let's also remember how much receiving he got last year because Tyree Cohen was hurt. And Tyree Cohen's back. He ain't getting those touches anymore. He's not getting those targets. Not happening. Everyone knows why I love Chase. And then Kareem Hunt, man. Kareem Hunt just keeps eating. He's a phenomenal uh, low-end RB, too, if that you're looking to build up from in the wide receiver. And just to comment a little bit more on Kareem Hunt, Todd, because I, he was the reason why I think we're both kind of low on him, the almost the best possible case scenario happened for him last season in Cleveland, and he still didn't. He was a, you know, he was hovered around, a t- you know, RB 10 to 12 or whatever it was, but he didn't really smash and become that top three RB that we hoped if there was a Nick Chubb injury. So I think that's kind of clear how they view him in, in Cleveland if a best case scenario happens again for him. So I think that's, that's kind of why we're a little bit lower on him than maybe his previous year's production might, it might look, might uh, indicate. Indeed. All right. So that's our top six tiers. Dave, is there anybody outside of the top six tiers that you kind of like as a value play? Honestly, no. The way I approach the running back position at this point is that I target players on the up and coming. So like, or basically handcuffs, like a dokes, I like Salvin Ahmed, players who are on rosters who who need an injury to hit and we need to remember yeah all these ranks all these projections look great but it's a war of attrition at the running back position year in year out and there's countless players who come from the waiver wires so what i like to do is i like to load up on these those players my top four tiers todd and then and really concentrate my capital in those players my wide receivers my quarterbacks and then have a wide part of my roster for these hits, these players who are good for a week or two, like Gio Bernard's last year and those type of players. I like Gio's upside this year. I think he could be a weapon. Yeah, Todd, that's kind of it for me. But what about you, my friend? What are some players that you really, you know, value plays outside these top six tiers? So these are the guys that uh, I believe have a chance to be in the RB2 discussion. They're cheap, uh, but I also think that you're talking about a very fickle position where Dave's looking for those guys that, you know, might break out later. I'm looking for those guys that got it that that have work right now. Uh, Damian Harris for the Patriots, by far the best back there. Burkhead gone. Uh, so that's uh, that was the biggest obstacle he had. Michelle is done. Damian Harris has a chance to be a workhorse of the Patriots, and he's good. 
He looked really good at times. Gus Edwards. I'm staying on the Gus bus, baby. They re-upped him, even with JK there. And Gus is a good player, man. And Gus is very productive. And if Dobbins were to go down, he's he's an RB2 all day. And I really like Rojo or Fournette out of Tampa. I like both of them. Both fantastic in their cost. Just really, really good depth pieces. So honestly, if I like had those four guys and like one RB1 and I just stacked myself in like a wide receiver situation, I'd be thrilled, dude. But here's the guy I'm not high on. I'm not high on Tony Pollard because somebody's overpaying for him or somebody's going to be like, if I had Tony Pollard right now on any of my rosters, I'd be trying to trade for him, trying to find who that person is who's just saying he's better than Zeke. Oh, you, oh, oh I agree. Do you want him? <laughs> you know, like the Tony Pollard stuff's just a little insane right now. Those would be those four guys that I'm on. And then the five, the fifth guy that I would not be targeting. A couple of players, Todd, that I want to throw out there as well. I actually kind of like Justice, Justice Hill real late if injuries happen. I really just how and how cheap he is. I really like Elijah Mitchell as a arbitrage to Trey Sermon. I even like Ramondre Stevenson as an arbitrage Damian Harris. Those are all players that I kind of do like throwing darts on to as well later. Yep. If you want absolute bottom of the barrel, that's almost free. I really like Malcolm Brown is almost like a free pickup at the bottom of your uh, 100%, roster. 100%. 100%. Yes, I want to thank Tim for uh, just taking a fourth round pick for him. That was very kind of him. I enjoyed that. So, David, we did it. Want to tell the people where they can find you? Yes, Todd. I have to say I had a blast on tonight's episode. I really enjoyed the the back and forth. And it was fun to just laugh at myself a few times here and take some heat for Derek Henry. But you can find me over at FF underscore Spaceman on the Tweet Machine. You can find me over on my Patreon, FF underscore Spaceman as some more stuff's uh, popping up there soon. And then also, you can find... Uh, I'm going to be eventually back at DLF. I'm going to write a couple of articles before the baby's born. So yeah, so find me over at Density Football. Also, the Podathon, the S. Scott Fishbowl Podathon is kicking off in a couple of weeks. Uh, I've already reached out to sponsorships. We've got a huge turnout for sponsorships this year. Really excited to get those live reads up and going. I think we're going to try to reach for 50K this year for the Podathon after blo- we... Blew our $10,000 goal out of the water last year and raised over $40,000. So we're hoping to hit 50K this year. And I'm just really excited for all the people who are contributing to Fantasy Cares and other charities that are important to them as part of that. Yeah. And also check me out. I was on the Dynasty Hot Sauce Pod with Larry Monkey and Justin recently. That was a lot of fun run DFF. That was, that was a really good time. We ended up going like two hours recording and we just could not stop having a good time. And those are really fun guys over there on the Tassie Hot Sauce podcast, Todd. How about you, my friend? You can find me over at the IDP, guys. My writing will be coming out more right now. With school vacation out, I'm definitely going to be diving into some more C2C stuff. And I'm definitely going to be looking at some dynasty value plays. That I feel like there's a lot of takes going on out there, and I want to really boil it down and start giving you guys some ideas that I think are some really good buy well candidates. Uh, on top of that, definitely go out and find the IDP guys rookie mag. Uh, I think that's particularly great for anybody in the IDP world, 125 profiles, and I will be kicking off that C2C podcast within the month.
Dave, we also didn't mention. I got an SFB my first year, man. I, I, Dude, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm in the fishbowl. Dude, unbelievably excited that you, you're in the fishbowl, my friend. Uh, totally well deserved. I know you. I kind of felt at times you were a little resigned to it happening for you this year. Um, I after was <laughs> being a little disappointed, like severely disappointed last year because I was. I was. You know, you were part of the the satellites. You got involved. And we sponsored as Tail Two Rivals last year as a potathon. So I was really happy for you because it's been a freaking tough year, man. It's been a yeah. tough year. Yeah. And it's been awesome to see you get to participate. And it's a really fun event. So And I, I want to thank you for retweeting out to Scott when he asked about somebody who and Dave said some very kind things about how I work with students that tend to get overlooked at times. And that meant a lot to me because, you know, helping those students reconnect with themselves not just school is really important to me and uh that was very cool and i had a lot of people uh comment on that that talked about my character not me as an analyst which means a lot more to me than if you don't like my football takes that's fine i just just think i'm a good person his, <laughs> his banter is a shell for this this fake hate of a nice this this nice person <laughs> the banter is a shell this is where i get my release yeah so <laughs> Yes, no, but I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. All right. Hey, happy trading, everybody. So yeah, you're in what? You're in Gen? Not Genesis. What? Genesis. What? It's like, like yeah, you I, are in Genesis. I have That's a right. very eclectic music taste, and it's like one of the only bands I don't listen to. But it's so cool. Obviously, I th- I just find it funny. I have some heavyweights, dude. I have like uh, Fred Zinke's in there. Uh, I know who that is. He writes for Yahoo and wrote and wrote a wire. Oh. Um. Joe Donlin's in that one, so that's interesting. Joe Do- Dolan or I don't Dolan, know I Dolan, yeah, the guy who started Fantasy Points. Yep, and then Coach Matt Donnelly, always for you known to me as Dingus, is in mind. Oh, really? Yeah, I got Dingus. So yeah, and I love that. Um, when they posted it, I clearly did not do a proofread because uh, it says that <laughs> it's a uh, it's a take of two rivals. <laughs> I was like, I'm uh, glad you can update your information. So, <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So yeah, man. No, I'm I'm stoked, man. I uh, I'm looking. Uh, I'm already thinking about what I'm gonna do with the uh, first pick, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty stoked, man. I actually didn't realize we had the same pick. I yeah. I kind of waffled. Did you want pick five or? I initially asked for three because um, there were three guys that I felt really good about being in that situation with and i don't really mind picking at the back in most things but just for my first year and with the new like scoring system i'm kind of like eh, i feel better about getting him a foundational piece early um and then kind of like following the scoring for a year you know what i mean and then i like once i really dove into it i was like oh i love five like once you get past five for me it's like my six seven eight and nine is like all kind of like kind of wavering where i'm like i'm really firm in my top five so i felt good about it and actually a guy that i originally had in my top three is out of my top five now now that i actually dove into the scoring a little bit more so once i understood it a little bit more because it is unique i um i felt better about it man felt much better about it so i'm looking in mine i i know i've bill mccarthy from super duper flex but i don't really know a ton of other people in my in the police division I'll be honest. I the only reason I really know. I mean, I like the police, but I I know Sting more from his his uh, cooperative work in the Three Musketeers. I do anything for love title. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that's kind of how I know. Uh, that's why I think about Sting a little bit there. But 
Honestly, I was a little heartbroken that I didn't get into Jimmy Buffett or the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Those are <laughs> yeah, two big part like they really mean a lot to me. But I'm I'm just, honestly, dude, I'm just excited to be part of this. I'm really excited to raise some money for charity. Like like we've said a couple times, man, it's been a long freaking year. This whole pandemic thing, it feels like it's coming yep. to a close, and it's just kind of last year's Scott Fishbowl was a kind of a a little ray of hope for like a little. Um, reprieve from everything that was going on but this year kind of feels like it's as a start of something exciting the baby's on the way and it's kind of like yes yeah, it's, it's it's like yeah i'm really excited to do a lot for you know that we're all the whole community's coming together for these awesome charities so yeah todd scott fishbowl i'm really excited we're both in it yeah man I, i'm so to be part of it i i definitely just love the game but for what it does for the community not like the fantasy football community like society is amazing and it's cool to be a part of it. Let's wrap this puppy up. 